Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy Simon with 3D Universe and uh, thank you for joining us today. This is episode six of our ongoing series, 3D Universe Untethered. Uh, in this series, we sit down and talk with uh, folks in the 3D printing and digital fabrication industry and find out what they're up to. And uh, today is uh, an episode that I've been looking forward to. This is going to be a talk with Matt Botel, and uh, we'll be talking about the Kinetic Hand, a, uh, a fantastic new design for an assistive device that uh, we'll get into a lot of detail about. Um, so at this point, um, I'd like to go ahead and invite Matt and Jen to join me on uh, video and go ahead and unmute yourselves here. Uh, Jen, most of you know, Jen Owen is a co-founder of the Enable Volunteer Community, and she's also our, coder, our, our creative director here at 3D Universe and uh, has, has helps me uh, with, with uh, moderating these episodes. So Jen, thanks for joining us as usual. Yeah, of course. And uh, I'm also very happy to welcome Matt Botel. And um, uh, let me just get to my notes here. It's on the wrong tab. Is Matt's video not working? Matt, do we have your video here? Let me ask to start video, see if that works. Yep. That's there better. We go. There we go. Okay. We Hi, how are you doing, guys? <laughs> Good. How are you? Hey. Excellent. Thanks. Excellent. Hi. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? <laughs> Long I'm time no see. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks very much for joining. I know we have quite a difference in time zones here, um, Matt. And uh, so, folks, Matt Botel uh, is a 10 year uh, veteran as a, he operated as a senior engineer with Toyota in Australia and Japan. Uh, and then it was announced that the automotive industry was going to be shutting down and that he would be made redundant. And so Matt had a big decision to make about his future direction. Uh, by that point, uh, he had already had 3D printers taken over his lounge room. And after making one hand for a child, he knew that his decision was made. Matt turned down some lucrative consulting jobs and devoted himself full time to designing and 3D printing hands and providing them to kids for free. Free 3D Hands has now provided hundreds of devices to people all over the world. And Matt has invested in some world-class CAD software and shares his designs open source with anyone who can access them for free. So Matt, again, thanks for joining us. Very excited to have you. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this great new design here. I have one here, the Kinetic <laughs> Hand. Fantastic new design, and there's so much to talk about. That's not the only thing we're going to be talking about, because I know you got your hands into some other things, but uh, that'll be our main focus today. Um, because, like I said, there's just there's so much about this design that was impressive to me. Not just the design itself, but how you went about it, the documentation, the organization of the files, the, just everything about it. And we'll talk through some of those uh, things that make this unique. Yeah. Right. Wow. What it's, a compliment, uh, thank you. <laughs> it's really awesome to see you again. Um, I think it was a year or two, two years ago, I came yeah, over. I think, yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, a year and a half, I think. Yeah. When you came over to Melbourne and came mm. and visited us on uh, Phillip Island and drove yeah. on the wrong side of the road. And the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I think, when I saw Thanks, the kinetic, That's, I think, yeah. when I saw the kinetic hand first. That was probably the one that you brought yeah. back. Jen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Matt sent it home with me. I actually um, got one of the first sneak peeks when he came over um, to the U.S. and uh, invited us to go get dinner with him and um, set this 
awesome hand on the table. And, yeah. Um, yeah, several, several of us were, were kind of gawking at it at last year's <laughs> uh, EnableCon because it was just so impressive. I mean, just the aesthetics of it really mm -hmm. caught our attention. And so I was really excited when this got rolled out recently. And when I when I saw the package that it came with and the documentation, and everything, I just I just knew that we had to have Matt on here to talk about it. So before we get into our discussion here, I want to invite our audience to please join in the discussion here. Use the Q&A panel there in Zoom, please ask questions uh, or make comments as we go, and we will bring those into the discussion, either as we go or towards the end, depending on how the timing goes, but uh, please do use that Q&A panel, and we'll keep an eye on that uh, throughout the session here. Yeah. So, um, Matt, I think the first question is kind of what is your background, and how did you end up getting started with making 3D printed hands? Well, um, as Jeremy mentioned, I was an engineer at Toyota, but before that, uh, whilst I was still studying engineering uh, through Monash University in Australia, they sent me over to Japan on a scholarship to study mechatronics. And it was during that time back in 2004 um, that I had the opportunity to test and trial a $1 million bionic arm. And, you know, in, you know I, was, I was very impressed by the technology, obviously. Um, <laughs> But uh, at the same time, I was quite saddened that, you know, at that price point, it wouldn't be accessible to large, large numbers of people around the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, sort of planted that seed of, the, you know, that was something that I was very interested in. But, um, you know, there was still no, there was still no means to, to actually manufacture, you know, something like that. Um, and it was really when 3D printing uh, started to hit the forefront, um, you know, when I, I saw the a 3D printer for the first time, I thought, wow, this is the solution. This is a way that we can, you know, make one-off customized devices, um, you know, without really thinking about how we're going to manufacture it. Um, 3D printing gives you a lot of freedom in design. Um, and yeah, so it was, it, was, um, it was during that time where we'd just been told we're going to lose our jobs um, in 2014. And I just wanted to find something positive to do with my engineering skills to, to help others um, to get through that difficult time. And I started designing, um, just started with a finger. And, and then I started Googling, you know, I wonder if there are any other people um, around the world trying to do the same thing and <laughs> found Enable and, um, <laughs> and made some amazing friends, um, you know, through the Enable community. And at the time there, weren't, there wasn't much going on um, over this way in Australia, lots were ha lots was happening in America, um, but not much over here. And I just decided to, it was the Raptor Reloaded I, I initially um, downloaded to, to make for, just wanted to make one hand for one kid. And uh, as Jeremy mentioned, it just changed my life. Mm -hmm. I was actually sitting at my desk at Toyota and um, and I got some sent some photos and some videos of this little boy, Eli. Um, I've actually, I can move my camera. I've got some photos on the wall here, um, young Eli, we made him a, um, a Raptor, a Raptor reloaded and, um, to see him picking up his toys, it just changed my life. Um, the amount of satisfaction that I got and here's Eli, he's now 10, um, with one of our new Kinetican designs. <laughs> so, um, we've formed amazing relationships with, with some of the families and I feel, you know, extremely blessed to, to be doing what I'm doing because I feel like my family, um, is now global 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's just as, as you know, anyone who, who volunteers with Enable would understand um, that feeling yeah. you know, of the, the relationships that you form with, with people. And you don't even feel, you know, like US, the US citizen, or in my case, an Australian, you feel like a citizen of the world. Um, right. And it's pretty special. It is. I agree with that. So uh, before we move on here, I just want to point out for our audience that uh, we will be sharing the recording of this session. This will go up on our YouTube channel, but it also goes out as an audio only podcast. Uh, so you can get this either way and we'll uh, we'll make those links available after the session. But because we do share these in an audio only format, you know, we're going to do some kind of visual stuff today, which is not typical for these sessions. But we're going to ask Matt to kind of show us around his office and uh, do do a little bit of other show and tell. So we'll just do our best to kind of describe what we're showing you as we do those those kind of on screen uh, portions, because you, you will be able to get this recording either as video or as audio. Um, so having said that, let's, uh, let's move on here. And Matt, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your organization that you've set up there, Free 3, uh, sorry, Free 3D Hands Limited, want to get that right. Um, so tell us about that organization, the, the business model, your, your mission, your goals, etc. Um, just tell us a bit about that organization. So we, we formed as a registered charity in Australia uh, about one and a half years ago in 2019. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we were very lucky, I suppose, you know, it's, it started with me, um, you know, finishing it up at Toyota in 2017 and deciding to use my severance pay, my redundancy payout to become a full-time volunteer for two years. So I was initially working out of, um, a single car garage, uh, mm -hmm. with all of my 3d printers set up and I just ran out of space very quickly and. And I had the opportunity to move into a large factory um, down here on Phillip Island, um, about two hours south of Melbourne. And, you know, I just thought, you know what, um, let's just go all in. And, and we just um, leased this, this place for one year. And, um, and things just continu kept continuing to, to happen. And we got more support and, and we had um, a large uh, legal uh, law firm down in Adelaide offered to um, to work pro bono to to set us up as a charity, and things just kept rolling from there. And um, and two years, almost two years later, um, you know, we're just continuing to, I suppose, just increase our vision. You know, it started this one hand for one kid, and you know, we just had so much support from from people, um, and and large corporations are starting to jump on board too, which is quite exciting. Um, and we're just hoping to become, you know, the initial thing was to have as many printers as we could and make as many hands as possible. But we, we know, you know, there are, you know, the World Health Organization um, estimate that there are over 1 billion people in the world who need some sort of assistive technology, um, whether that be wheelchairs or, or um, walking sticks or, or prosthetics or orthotics. And, um, and when you look at the scale of that problem, um, you know, regardless of how many 3D printers we have here, uh, we're not going to be able to even scratch the surface. So my thinking is starting to change that we want to become a design lab here. Um, obviously, make make hands as, um, as a way of uh, prototyping and testing um, with maybe hundreds or thousands of people, um, but certainly not millions. And, and that's where, you know, in incredible um, groups around the world um, you know, like all like the uh, different um, branches of, of Enable um, are really going to bridge that gap. Um, 
the, the, the most exciting thing to happen um, here um, after releasing the, uh, the kinetic hand is to, um, to see photographs of Enable Polska um, over in Poland um, already downloading and, and making the, the kinetic hand. And that just for me really um, just melted my heart um, that, you know, that, that's the true power of open source, as we all know. You know, like um, like um, Steve Wood with uh, a gyrobot, as some people would know him, um, with the, the flexi hand and 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 all of the guys, um, you know, with the even the cyborg beasts and your you know your raptors and your raptor reloaded and your phoenix hands and just when you know those designers, when you actually see how quickly um, that can be adopted and implemented, it's really exciting, and so. In short, sorry to make a, a long, a very <laughs> long-winded uh, thing. At Free3D Hands, we um, plan to really use world-cutting technology to continue designing assistive devices uh, to release open source for the community. That's, that's really cool. Um, could you could you take us on a quick virtual tour of your office? Um, sure. and, and make sure you describe everything so that our, our the people who are just listening will be able to kind of understand. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, Jen. It's very easy <laughs> to forget. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'll turn my camera around so I can actually see. Um, so I'll just go outside. It's a beautiful, um, beautiful Friday morning here in Australia. <laughs> um, so if, uh, just to show the scale of the, um, the factory. So we've got quite a large factory now. Jen, when um, when Jen came out, I was still working out of my uh, my garage, but we've moved into this amazing factory. So if we walk through, we've got um, our assembly area downstairs. We've got a, a U-shaped cell that's we um, we where we have our volunteers uh, assembling all of the hands, and all along the wall we have some of the, the photographs of the recipients. Um, that we've made hands for, as well as um, what we call the wall of gratitude, which is um, was actually a, a bit of a, um, a go at Donald Trump when he started building his wall. I thought, well, I'm going to build my own wall. <laughs> <laughs> the wall of gratitude. Um, thanking all of the kind and generous people who made this happen. So all along our five-year journey, these are all of the names of people who have supported us. Um, we've got our... Uh, wall up here from some of the, um, the the corporate sponsors and different groups, um, different um, limb, different um, support groups up here that have supported us with our trialing and designing. Um, and then uh, we'll take you upstairs. So we have all of our 3D printing uh, upstairs, but downstairs, just before we go up, um, also got my Michael Jordan inspired basketball ring here for when I'm designing and I get a little bit stuck. I come and shoot a few hoops and um, and it clears the mind. Just taking your mind off the problem sometimes is the best thing. Um, so we've had some amazing support from Tesla. Um, so we have 109 solar panels on the roof now. Um, so our entire factory is powered by the sun. Um, with um, 109 panels and 30 kilowatt hours of, of power, we can run our uh, a factory day and night uh, from the power of the sun, which is just 
Awesome. So we've got um, about 30 3D printers up here. Um, and you can see that we tend to use the same model of printer. We use FlashForge Creator Pros um, really for no other reason than it was the first brand of printer that I got. And I didn't want to have to be changing the, uh, the firmware, well, the, the, slice, the slicer file every single time you know, I wanted to make a hand on a different printer. So we've got two, two types of printer, the Creator Pro, which is about, I think about 800 US. Um, and then we've got the FlashForge um, Finder Lite, which is about a three or 400 US dollar printer, which is really, really, um, you know, at the bottom of the food chain of printers, I suppose, with, even without a heated <laughs> bed. But you can see, you know, it prints very, very good quality parts. We've got some of the um, parts that we've printed to make a hand here. Um, and you can see with the design of the kinetic hand, you don't need any support material whatsoever. So we've made sure that we design that into the hand that um, it can be printed um, without any support. And we just use um, PLA plus, uh, which is slightly stronger than, uh, than regular PLA, but you know, we also use PLA. Um, so that's upstairs with all of our different colors here. And we've got a few, a bit of a filament storage area up here. So we carry quite a few colors for, you know, recipients to be able to choose whichever colors they like. And heading back downstairs, I'll take you into our lab. And this is where I spend most of my time either designing or prototyping. So we have our 3D scanner area. So we're able to, um, you know, make plaster casts of, of recipient hands um, to scan those using an Einscan Pro um, 3D scanner, and then to make a digital model of that and, um, and do a virtual fitment. But when we can't do that, um, we've developed a, a scaling system for our hand where um, similar to uh, how, um, you know, with um, the scaling systems that enable users. Um, here's where I haven't hardly taken a breath. I'm short of breath. Um, so here is um, just where I um, do a lot of my prototyping and designing um, computer. We've had some amazing support from Hewlett Packard um, to build us a dedicated CAD, CAD station. Because some of the software that we use is quite quite heavy on, uh, on resources. So this here is what I was wanting to show. Um, this is how we come up with our organic design. And we use a program called um, Geomagic Freeform Plus. And this is a virtual clay modeling software. So this was the, the design, the, the, the lump of clay that I used to start designing the kinetic hand. And what's significant about this software for organic shape modeling is that it, it, it literally is a lump of clay. And we use a haptic device um, called a Touch X. And it's, it's, it's literally a, a, a robot pen in, in 3D space um, that we can 
um, carve and sculpt, we can actually feel the part. So as I'm pushing here, it's actually resisting my hand and I can actually feel the contours of the part. So if I was to just want to bend and twist this part, I can... I can... Uh oh. Uh oh. We lost him. Matt, come back. Right at the good part. That says still connecting to audio. There he is. Hi. Now, Matt. I can hear you. I have no idea what, what's going on here. Hey, yeah, we lost you right at the good part. You were just showing us the, uh, <laughs> the haptic feedback tool. I'll have to report that one to Samsung. Hey. So here, let me, let me see if I can get you Dropped back out. out of video here. There we go. You should have a request to start your video. Here we go. Oh, good I apologize. Have you back we're, uh, we're on the laptop. Take two. Yeah. So <laughs> I, we lost you right as you were starting to show us the haptic feedback tool and yeah. how that works with the clay modeling. I don't know if you wanted to continue that. Let me switch us back yeah. to a switch us back to a speaker view so we can see you full screen here. So I'm I'm holding my laptop now, so hopefully I can still show. But okay. um, so we were able to did were you able to see how I bent and twisted the uh, the thumb? inserting a plane. So, you know, using the software and the, um, the haptic tool, uh, we're able to very easily manipulate the, um, the clay model. So you can see where I've selected and, and then very easily bending and, and moving where it's traditionally in, in, in a CAD setup, that would uh, be very, very difficult to modify the design. We're also able to uh, go in and, and sculpt. So we can easily, you know, cut out, set the clay hardness. Oh. Try and hold my laptop now. Um, so you can see how quickly we can just cut through the clay. Yep. Um, so you can remove fingers, you can, you can do anything. And, um, and then we can smooth that as well. So you can then make it very, very organic. So it's, it's almost like you've got a piece of clay um, sitting in your hand. That is wonderful. I want this is literally made from a lump of clay. That is very powerful. powerful. Cut out here and bent the thumb around from where it was. And then, then we import that into, uh, sorry if you couldn't see that. Um, then we bought, bring that into um, another software package that we use, which is um, SolidWorks. Yep. Um, which is it's quite a quite an expensive piece of software if you're not using a cracked version. Um, so we we've been um, lucky to be sponsored by um, Dassault Systems, so we we have access to to this. And for our next manual, um, we're also um, getting some some other software through them as well, um, which will help us with that to improve our manuals even further as well. That's great. So with the combination of um, you know the clay modeling software, where we're then able to to come in and do all of our engineering and simulation in SolidWorks. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, our, our only limit now is really our own imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and there's something really special about this because you, you know, you pointed this out earlier in the session that you, your ambition is to become kind of a design house and rely on the broader community to help with the production side of things, which I think is brilliant. You know, not everybody is going to have access to these kinds of very advanced tools that you just showed us. Yeah. 
but one skilled individual like yourself can put those tools to great use to create some great designs, share those with the open source community and allow them to be leveraged by the, the global uh, community. I think that's just a wonderful model um, to be able to you know, talk about that, that, that haptic, um, for example, just the arm itself is worth 20,000 US dollars. Yeah. Right. And we've just been so fortunate to be to have such amazing support to get our hands on those tools for the open source community. Um, you know, even um, Enable Polska uh, the other day sent through um, some ideas for um, modifying the kinetic hand, taking away the ring and the middle finger, um, you know, for a recipient. And then, you know, we can use those tools. And I quickly modified it and sent, sent a model back and said, hey, you know, how about this? This is my idea, you know, test it against your idea and see how they go. So to, to have software like that and the support of these corporations, right, you know, helping us to to use these um, these software packages legitimately, yeah, right on cracked copies, yeah, for the open source community for anyone to use. It's quite exciting, and I'm really, really excited about the next few years ahead. And that's that's what always you know amazed me, and I find so wonderful about 3D printing technology when you combine that with what you're doing. Because I, to me, it always seemed like almost like a form of it's almost like teleportation. It's like you can come up with a design where you're at, share it with somebody by email or you know online, and they can print it on their 3D printer halfway across the world and and be holding yeah. it for hand hours later. I mean, that's just a a fantastic uh, capability. So, like you said, for collaborating with with people around the world you can do the design work there and they can be printing it out hours later it's just phenomenal yeah you know and even tools like this with zoom to be able to you know we're yeah. we're in three yeah. locations or you know just the just the presenters here you yeah know, it's just incredible that we can yeah. have that live um you know sharing of, of knowledge and, and ideas it's just great no, yeah Sorry, that's, Jane, how the, that's how the first um 3d printed hand came about was um ivan and richard were ten thousand miles apart and, Richards in South Africa and we were here. And um, the first thing Richard did was send a um, clay model of his hand to the US. And then Ivan, Ivan made the design and would send the file to, to Richard and, and back and forth. And, and um, you, we, without 3D printing, that would have never been possible. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. we we could have done like a, you know, a CNC machine kind of metal one, but um, it was really cool that because of the time difference, um, Ivan could send a file, go to bed, wake up, and Richard will have printed it out, assembled it, and held it up, and you know Liam would be able to test it out and give feedback, and within a couple of days, completely redo it all. Um, so it's really cool to see that um, this is still how Enable and Free3D Hands are um, collaborating. I mean, you have, now you have, before it was just two guys, and now you can throw something up on one of our Facebook pages um, or in the maker community in general. And um, by, you know, 5 p.m., you've got four or five different people who've taken it and played with it and given you suggestions. Yeah, it's just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what were your um, early impressions of the first 3D printable hand designs? And uh, what did you want to do differently? Well, 
you know, without without any any sort of criticism whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, I, I suppose I'd make an analogy of the, the Wright brothers brothers plane. You know, mm -hmm. it, you know, less than a hundred years ago, you know, um, Orville and Wilbur took off and uh, over Kitty Hawk and. You know, for the first time, and then you know, less than a hundred years, you know, other other minds have come together and, and improved that that we're landing rovers on Mars. You know? Right. Um, and and you know, I, I so I, I saw it as a as a really great um, starting point, like yeah. the the you know the Wright brothers plane, and and um, and I just thought, you know what? Imagine if we had access to this uh, the world class design tools. You know, a lot of the um, the design work was being done on on. Um, you know, on, on freeware software and mm -hmm. and um, and and just from an engineering perspective, you know, with the experience that I had had from my days at Toyota, my my job was to make things simpler and and better to improve processes. Um, it was I was actually a leader in what they call karakuri, which is um, simple devices. So my job was to make processes simpler and and share that knowledge. Um, with other Toyota manufacturing plants around the world. Um, so looking at the initial hand designs, not criticizing them, but my mind went straight to work on how do we improve them? Because you can always improve on a yep. design. And, um, and you know, the, the great thing I see with, within the Enable community is people always trying to find ways to improve on, on the designs, which is, that's the whole point, right? Right. You know, open source community is the opposite of patenting an idea which is allowing yourself to make it, but stopping others from, from replicating or improving on your idea. Right. Um, so, you know, I saw, I saw the original, here's one, one here. Um, and, you know, one, one day I, I took this um, to a recipient and, um, and it broke within two minutes for the reason that um, the younger brother being autistic was jealous that uh, he didn't have one and, and threw it as hard as he could at the ground. And um, and broke some of, but that showed me where the um, the weakest parts of the design were. Um, so my my job was then to try and find a, a way to design a hand that would um, survive a, a hammer test, <laughs> literally <laughs> and smashing, beating the crap out of it, right? Um, and 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 the way that I've I've I'm getting closer to that design, um, but you know I'd be quite confident to throw this across the room and it wouldn't break this new um, kinetic hand design, but. It's actually by building in, um, you know, dampening systems between the rigid joints, you know, by having flexible hinges, um, you're absorbing that impact. So I can get this hand and I'm not sure if you can hear that for the listeners, um, actually whack, whack, and, and it doesn't break. You can, you can bend the fingers the opposite direction. You can twist them um, to the same level as a human finger, where with a, a, with a rigid joint, with a, a snap pin, um, you know, uh, you, you can't do that. And, and and the nature of 3D printing uh, parts are typically weak. You've got to consider um, 3D printed parts like a piece of wood with a grain yeah. and everything has to be designed to suit that grain. Um, you can still use wood to, to build structures, um, but you need to take that as a consideration and, and, and think considering all of those things into the design process, um, uh, designing the hand was, was very important. and. You know, the hand that I gave um, Eugen um, about, you know, a year and a half ago, um, look for those who can see, looked something like this. And it was, yeah. it was still very, very, it was still very rough. And we've improved on the design a lot. Um, but one, 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 one thing that I was lucky to do when I went and visited Eugen 
um, over in Seattle was um, I was sent by one of our largest banks in Australia on a, on a world tour um, to visit anywhere that I wanted and anyone that I wanted to, uh, to expand my knowledge on uh, bionic design um, prosthetics. I did a stint in a prosthetics clinic in, in, in Denmark, um, visited you know, universities and labs um, and conferences um, through Japan, um, you know, Germany, through France, um, you know, it's just in, this incredible world tour. And, and, and some of the learnings that I, that I had during that time were just mind changing, you know, just, just completely, um, just, just incredible. Um, and, and, you know, even visiting Open Bionics over in Bristol, um, they're, they're just an amazing group um, yeah. of, of people. And, um, you know, that Joel's um, suggestion to me was um, that I, I should perhaps remove one of the finger joints, you know, not to make it exactly like a human hand, because really, you know, your, 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 um, your distal glanders here, they don't really do much when you bend your finger. And a lot of the enable designs don't, you know, don't have that extra joint in there. And that allows you to reduce the angle of, of, of bend uh, in, the, in the design uh, by, by uh, so really your, your, your amount of, of bend is the distance of the tendon between each of the, the phalanges added up um, to, to the angle within the, um, the wrist here. Yeah. And we've been able to reduce that to about, I think 17 degrees. So you can, those who can see, um, bending the wrist of this hand, you don't actually have to bend it much. And that was one of the, uh, the, the, the key focuses for me with this design was to reduce that angle. Uh, because there were, there were a lot of kids that I, I couldn't make a hand successfully for because they had such little movement in their wrist. Right. Uh, so without, um, without creating, you know, too much friction in the system, um, trying to, to reduce that, that, that angle um, to, and, and also, um, you know, there are a lot of experimental designs with, you know, the Whipple tree design um, that I looked at and, and played with a little bit. Um, this, this um, and here actually has a Whipple tree mechanism in it, in, in the, um, the Raptor Reloaded, I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that's the that's, Phoenix there. That's the Phoenix, is it? Right, there you go. That's the Phoenix design. Um, but I, I, I tended to find that, you know, all of the, the strength of this hand is reliant on a tiny, tiny piece of plastic <laughs> that's 3D printed. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to take away that, and you know, and one of what, if that fails, that tiny piece of plastic fails, then the entire hand will fail. So I wanted to make um, it, um, you know, less prone to fail by having each finger on its own separate flexible tensioner, um, so that you know fingers can continue to travel um, and 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 grip around objects uh, mm -hmm. better. You know, we're still still getting there. This is this is the first iteration um, to release. We're working on we're working on the, the next design now, well, based on feedback that we continue to get, and that's that's how you improve is through continuous improvement through um, through feed, customer feedback. Sure. And now that we have um, you know incredible people all across the world um, manufacturing them, and you know we can get you know endless infinite feedback. So if anyone's out there is attempting to, to, um, to print uh, one of these hands with you know, any feedback that you have, we'd, we'd greatly appreciate to, to build into our design. Thank you, Matt. Um, how, many of, 
How many have you made for people so far? We, uh, we lost count a long time ago, actually, <laughs> but I think you know, for this particular design, um, maybe 50 or 100. Um, we're in, probably in the couple of hundred for the hands, but um, in 10, we make lots of other stuff as well, um, which, you know, I should share a bit more. Um, simple, very, very simple devices. As I mentioned, my job at Toyota is to make something um, as simple as possible. Um, you know, making flexible um, cuff adapters for, for wrist um, to hold a skipping rope handle, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, out of out of a, a flexible urethane that can adapt to any handle shape, um, and then you know things like um, you know to, to to hold a tennis ball. So you know this is sixty, I think sixty eight, sixty nine millimeters wide cup that slots into that that uh, same ad adaptive cuff to to serve a tennis ball. That's some, someone with a hand difference. That's something that they will struggle with, right? You know, I'm serving a tennis ball. You'd have to balance it on the racket throw it up, turn the racket around, and then try and hit the ball. And to do that consistently um, is very difficult. Um, you know, so, so making simple things like that, which have been very, very popular, we've sent hundreds and hundreds of those um, through, uh, through Europe, actually, um, to make you know, simple things for left-handed piano. Um, it's a, I wonder if I've got one around, I have to find it. Um, here we go, this is a, so a, a simple, device that spans one octave of the piano. Um, so CGC, DAD, um, and you can arpeggio with the left hand just by rotating the wrist. Um, and uh, that, that, that actually sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. or, or, or the kinetic finger. Um, this, was, this was actually before I started making the, um, the open source hands. Um, I'd always have in my pocket when I was walking around Toyota in about 2014 was, um, is the, this kinetic finger design, um, which is similar to um, the Nick finger, I, I think. Well, There's yeah. there, but um, attaching to the wrist and um, you know, using the finger stub to open and close. But um, that's using utilizing the flexible hinges as well. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Well, we're going to have, have you. Uh, we're going to have to have you back to talk about all these great devices you're building. But today we want to talk about the uh, the kinetic hand some more. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll, we'll come back to those. We're going to, we're going to ask you sure. about these other designs you're working on, but I want to make sure we have some time to get into some of the details on the kinetic hand here. Cause there's, there's really so much yep. good stuff to talk about while we lost you for a moment there, we were starting to talk about this a bit. And I was pointing out how the first thing that I noticed when I downloaded this and I started looking through the files was uh, I opened up your documentation and I was just blown away. I mean, you've got a 99 page uh, document uh, documentation uh, file for the kinetic hand which just is a, does a beautiful job of walking you through step-by-step step, everything that you need, all the parts that you need, how to print them, everything from print settings to scaling methodology. I mean, it's all in there and it's so easy to read and easy to follow. So I wanna congratulate you on that. Um, is that something that you had experience with before uh, doing documentation like that? It, it was um, at Toyota making what we call standardized work. Um, but I, I think I look at it and I think, you know, I wish I had spent another six months putting this together. Um, but, you know, I was so keen to release it that I, I released it. But my initial um, idea was to make something similar to a Lego manual. manual. Um, you know, children all across the world um, are able to put together very complicated Lego models. So I wanted something that was very visual, um, didn't have a lot of wording, um, so then, then it would cross language barriers. Absolutely. Um, 
Muted again. However, you know, as it turned out, um, I still needed to use quite a few words in there um, because I wanted to share my learnings as well. Yeah. Um, you know, share my mistakes, you know, when assembling a hand. Um, but, you know, there's so much stuff that I, I want to continue adding to add to it, um, like um, printing on glass, for example, I've, I've found is, is much better than printing on any other print surface. Yep. Um, you, know, you know, how to get, a, get around using brims with, you know, um, printing rafts and brims is, is all, it's, waste, it's a wasteful process. Sometimes yep. it's a necessity, yep. but how to get around that, you know, what, what sort of um, adhesive to use on the, on the bed. So I'll be continuing to add to the manual um, with different versions. And that's the first thing I want to do is to focus more on how to get a good quality printing result. Um, Cause you know, I think it's, I think it's very, very important for our community to be consistently providing not only um, good devices, but world-class devices to show to show developers um, around the world that you know this is an amazing technology that we should, technology that we should be embracing. You know, um, we've received lots and lots and lots of criticism um, right along the way through established organisations. Um, you know, mocking mocking three D printed hands is a weak technology. You know, um, if you leave it in the car and it gets hot and a child puts it on, it will burn their hand. You know, just like a lot of scaremongering, um, fishing line, you know, downplaying the technology. But what I want to show is that, you know, um, we can make devices that are that are world class that um, anyone with a hand difference would be proud to to wear. Um, yeah. That there's no compromise. You know, if you're if you're sending them to countries where people currently can't access or afford them, that it's not well something's better than nothing. No, it's to say no. This is this is something that anybody, even in the de in the developed world, would be proud to to own. Yeah. Um, so, in other words, so, ensuring the success of people that choose to make one of your designs, making sure that they have the the documentation and the guidance they need to be successful, and that actually leads into the next point, which is the next thing I noticed was how you had every, all the files organized. You've got all the STL files, uh, both grouped and as separate files. You've got yep. them. You've got them oriented in a way that ensures optimal printing results where they, they're, they're oriented so that they have a nice flat surface sitting on the bed, but they can still be printed without any supports like you showed us earlier. Um, so I, I just I felt like there was a lot of thought that went into every detail in terms of how the parts are oriented, how they're grouped together. Mm -hmm the instructions that go along with those. So it, it sounds like that was all stuff that you thought through carefully as well, right? In terms of the parts orientation and the uh, the grouping of those and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think um, that's, you know, a really, really important thing to, is to, um, to give every detail to ensure that, um, you know, the orientation is right, you know, and, yeah. and to also, um, you know, we were able to scale the, the parts um, you know, to, to have um, different scale in the X, Y, and Z directions. Yes. Um, to, to, to then pr present the the, light, the the positions of those as they would sit on the, the hand so that you can scale them in the directions that you want and then reorientate those into the print directions. Yes. So to really yes. show that, um, you know, to, to make a hand um, effectively, um, the, this is, these are the step, the exact steps that you need to take. 
Um, yep. There was a lot, a lot of work. There. Initially, I thought maybe 20 pages, the manual, and then it was pushing out to oh, 40 and then 100. And I thought, you know, 99, yeah. I thought, all right, let's, let's just stop it there. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I it is, overwhelm. I, I think I time. said this while you, you, while you had dropped off momentarily, but I, I, I think you've really set the bar. It's, it's the best documentation I've seen. And I really hope others follow your example there as it's, I, I've always maintained that having great documentation like that is extremely important to adoption and to making sure that people are successful in making these. So I was just thrilled to see the work you had done there and uh, just, just making it as easy as possible. I mean, my first time through making one of these kinetic hands, I had no problems. I never came to a point wow. where I felt like I was stuck and I didn't know what to do next. I just had to follow the step-by-step -step instructions. It was just really wonderful. Um, now, the one, uh, the one part of this that I, I think would be challenging for many, and, and myself included, is, as you pointed out, there are flexible parts in this hand. There are uh, flexible uh, sort of interfaces between the fingers, a little uh, sort of uh, pads that go in between the fingers and, and the joints, uh, the pads that go into the fingertips. These have to be printed in a, a, something like a Ninja Flex, so which has about a 85A shore hardness. Now that's pretty challenging for a lot of printers to handle. Um, you're, you're best off if you have a printer that has some kind of a direct drive extruder as opposed to you know, feeding through a Bowden tube. And uh, you, and I, you and I had some conversation about this uh, previously, but maybe we could just spend a minute talking about that, some of the unique challenges of printing with flexible filaments and what are, what are a couple of the tricks that you can offer to, to help people be more successful in printing those materials. That's, that's really great. Um, thanks for the opportunity to, to discuss this because, um, you know, I had such a nightmare learning how to print um, flexible materials, especially NinjaFlex. I think it's the softest and most difficult to print, but I, I, I believe it's the best material that I've printed um, so far, but to print it is really, really difficult. Um, the fact that it is so soft and as you're, you're um, extruding um, with the gears, it, it can actually kink it and, and, and tuck it into a, a pocket in your, you know, and it doesn't right. ma ever even make right. it to the nozzle, right? And, you know, um, it, so I think giving it as much um, freedom to, 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 to have no resistance at all through the, through the extruder um, is, is fundamental. Every time I print, I work out how many meters I need to print of the material and I actually um, unravel that from the reel itself um, so that there's no resistance whatsoever when you're printing it. Um, also just having having your printer just kept in, in tip top condition. I actually have a printer dedicated to printing NinjaFlex, um, two printers actually. So um, I don't print PLA or ABS or anything else on this printer except for, for NinjaFlex for the reason that um, you know, you can get slight blockage of PLA in the um, in the nozzle if you're trying to feed the flexible filament right. through. Um, it's not actually able to push out the, the PLA that was in there previously. That's so, right. Um, so trying to get um, a, have a nozzle or an, one one extruder. If you have a dual extruder on a printer, okay, keep one for your flexibles, keep one for your, your rigid materials. Um, reducing that and and. Um, playing around with your temperature settings as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I print the NinjaFlex at 230 degrees. Yep. Um, and and it seems to almost to the point where it's 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 almost starting to run by itself out of the out of the nozzle before it's printing. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's it's really quite tricky. But 
um, you know, we can get some really great results with the, the NinjaFlex. Um, this is a band for um, uh, the, the sensors that we're making for our, yeah. our dynamic arms and things that we're making yeah. out of NinjaFlex. Fantastic, but it's, it's a real learning curve. And, and if anyone is having any trouble printing NinjaFlex, please shoot us an email and we'll, um, we'll share what we know. Um, you know, we, we, we're successfully printing it on, you know, the uh, FlashForge Finder Lite, it's, which is the cheaper version of the, the Finder printer. Terrific. Yeah, I, I just- yeah, it is touch and go. Sometimes you, you'll get a fail and then the next time you print it, it'll be, it'll be good. You pull out the filament and you find it's all kinked up, cut it off, feed it back right. in and away you go and you don't have a problem. But I suppose the, the one fortunate thing with the design of this hand is that um, it doesn't use much flexible filament. Right. Um, you know, it's maybe about an hour to print the, the hinges and, and, a, and an hour to print the, um, the, the, the palm. So if there is a failure, it's not the end of the world. Absolutely. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of our Enable volunteers take you up on that offer and reach out to you because I, I know that that's a, be a tricky, it's a tricky area. Yes. And uh, the other thing I would just point out is uh, print slow, uh, keeping the speed real slow with yes. flexibles. Yeah. Maximum speed, you know, 20 millimeters a second. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. If you deal in inches. Um, over no, there, that's, but, yeah. hey, all the 3D printing stuff is metric. So yeah, it's, that's about yeah, what I'm doing. So excellent, yeah. great tips. Thank you for that. Um, uh, all right, so now you mentioned the sizing methodology, which was another thing that really impressed me. Um, you've provided uh, several different sizing methodologies. You have a virtual kind of a scaling approach, um, similar to the, the method that Peter Binkley showed our community, where you ba basically import a model of the, of the hand or a 3D scan of the, uh, of the mold of the limb, or you can use photos. And, and you bring that into your CAD software and you basically overlay the, the hand model on top of it and visually do kind of a virtual fitting. And you showed yeah. an approach to do that. But then you also show a version where you use, you can use photographs or direct measurements from a hand and you can size these, uh, these parts, like you said, in all three dimensions. So you're not just scaling it up or down, but you can actually do custom scaling in X, Y, and Z dimensions to get a truly custom fit. And you've provided some great sort of uh, reference matrices in your documentation where you can look up if, if this measurement is such and such, then here's the part that you need to use. And just a, a tremendous uh, level of detail that went into that sizing methodology. Um, so any, any comments or notes about what went into that and, and why you took that approach on sizing? Wow, that's a, <laughs> a long, long question. Um, Oof. Yeah, it was really just due to, um, you know, we, we, we've obviously made a lot of hands, uh, you know, for people and we've got a lot of different, uh, you know, information, levels of information coming back. You know, we, we were very specific in, uh, and as we laid out in the manual of what's required to, to standardize the, the measurements, if it's sent with a ruler along the edge of a table, that the hand must be level with the ruler, um, et cetera. Um, but obviously you get people sending photos that it's, it's above the ruler and below and, and, and just to, to, to highlight those fundamentals that you've got to get right um, when the, the photos are sent through, if not, get them resent. Um, so that's if, if, you, if you're at a long distance from someone. Um, obviously the best is, is to be able to have a, get a 3D um, scan or actually the recipient in person. Um, yep fitment but I, I wanted to put into the manual um, doing that in in freeware you know so you don't need the expensive um, you know CAD software to to do that um, fitment um, in the in the manual we've used uh, flash print 
which is the free software that comes with any of the FlashForge printers. Right. And, and you could do it in Cura. You could do it. Yeah. Same thing, right? It's, but loading it into the slicer to do your scaling, um, and and loading the, the you know the um, the scan of the hand into that, and then scaling the 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 palm to to suit. Yeah, it's very innovative, and and again, yeah. opening it up to more people because everybody has that slicing software. So I, I love yeah. like, making it easier and and requiring people to have less of that specialized software. So I think that's great. And then you also introduced uh, different components, like the, you have these these padding, these padded components that can actually go into the the palm cavity. Because of course we have so many different palm anatomies out there. Some people have yeah. more, some people have less, and so you actually created a number of different inserts that can be printed and inserted to take up that space, which uh, again allows your hand to be used in so many different types of anatomies, which I, I had not seen before. The, um, the, the initial design of the, um, the kinetic hand, we had um, full palm. Yep. We had a, a, a short palm version. So you can see it's full in here, but as you, as you mentioned, you know, every, every partial hand is different. Yeah. So um, it was at that point where I thought, well, let's, let's make every hand a full palm and then have different size inserts, soft inserts to fill that void so that the hand doesn't slip forward. Um, oh yeah, yeah incorporate that into our, our measurement system, yep. have the, the insert type um, along here. So for each scaling, each size, you can work out um, which insert type to use. Yeah, that's terrific, terrific. And then- There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it was actually more work to, to put the manual together than actually designing the hand. Well, you can see that it, it shows, but it was, it was uh, you know, time well spent because I think that you could tell that a lot of time and energy went into figuring all those things out, but it's, it's such an enormous benefit to the people that are putting these together. It was immediately apparent to me that just so much testing and, you know, trial and error had gone into this and, uh, it just, it really shows in the maturity of, of the documentation. Um, it was another a massive thing. benefit for us, um, sorry, just, yeah. um, it was a massive benefit for us as well in putting that documentation together that when we're training our volunteers in-house. Oh um, yeah. You know, as a training tool, right? Oh yeah, a um, terrific training tool, yeah. You know, it's, it's so, funny, in fact, I, you know, you may have seen in the past, I've, I've done some uh, videos, like, you know, video assembly tutorials for some of the enabled designs um, and I, it's something that I like to do when I become familiar with the design and just share that with the community. I, after making this design, I, I kind of thought to myself, I, I don't really think there's any value in doing a video on this one because you did such a great job on the documentation. I don't think anyone needs a video tutorial. So oh, wow. <laughs> that impressive. Yeah, it was yeah, there, there are different ways. People have different ways of, of learning. Um, yeah. So, you know, to show visually hands on is, is also, I think, important. And as I mentioned before, with um, the sponsorship from you know Dassault Systems, you know, um, with a, a product called Composer, yeah, which can make you know animations quite easily for animated tutorials with exploded parts and and this. So with our future designs, we're hoping to make it very very visual with with the uh, the three D models that we've got. Awesome, awesome. All right, so I'm, you know, I've got to print out. I've got a couple more questions here about the kinetic hand, but I just want to pause and remind the audience to feel free to use the Q&A panel. Um, I don't know if anyone out there has had a chance to try to make one of the kinetic hands yet. Um, if you've run into anything where you have questions or, or comments, please share those, use the Q&A panel, and, and we'll uh, bring those into the conversation here. 
Um, but I wanted to point out something else that I noticed in going through this um, documentation and the design process was the the uh, the tensioning. You know, one of the problems that we've had for a long time with the Enable community is uh, in, in teaching our, our volunteers to uh, set the tension level. So when they put a device together, you know, you, you don't want it to be assembled so that the hand is completely straight across when the fingers are extended. You want you want this, the rear portion that goes over the arm, you want that to be at a bit of an incline so that when the person bends their wrist to activate the device, they don't have to bend it, you know, at an uncomfortable angle. They can, they can just bend it a small way. And so you wanna make sure that the, the, the level, that the tensioning level is set such that these angles, the angle of the palm compared to the angle of the, uh, the, the, the bracer is, is correct. And you had a really creative approach to doing that in, in your documentation you have it so that when you're running these, these uh, non-flexible cords, you have people do that where you can actually connect the, the bracer to the palm using these flexible hinges and you, you bend them together so that these two pieces uh, at the, the bracer and the palm meet one another. And, and you use that to tie off the, the, the cords and then you inside, so underneath the cover that's on this, this bracer here for those that are watching, Underneath that cover there, there's there's kind of a grid of all these different holes where the where the little what we would call the tensioner pins get attached. And so after you do that, after you set the tension level, um, you know, using the, the using the, the palm in that upper position, then you basically just slide those tensioner pins down. I think it was four spots on the on the grid, right? And and by moving them down four positions you end up with the hand at exactly the optimal angle um, without having to struggle with trying to find that angle on each of the individual cords. Now, I might not have explained that very well. It's hard to do on, on video here, but I just thought that was brilliant um, because we've, we've had so many people that have struggled at finding that optimal angle and you've made it kind of foolproof here with that approach. I thought that was brilliant. Well, thank you. And, and, and regardless of the scale, um, because the, the pitches of those holes increases as well with scale, it, it always, you know, you move it forward and that it'll always be the same regardless. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, then you have the ability to, uh, when you're, you're going through your, your, your tuning, uh, to, to move those individually um, backwards and forwards to, to right. suit where you'd like them to be. And you can do even finer, uh, which we, I didn't put in the manual, but um, I, I, I will add it. Um, you know, the pitch between the holes may be only a few millimeters, but that might make a difference with, you know, the, the lead on the, on the fingers. Oh yeah. Uh, you can actually twist the, just <laughs> twist the tender, turn it in one or two turns, and that will actually close it up even more. So you can do even finer incremental tuning as well. Excellent. In the tendon before you, um, you, you uh, insert it. Yeah. And then those, those pins, what we're calling the tensioner pins that the cords tie off to, uh, you actually have those being printed in the NinjaFlex as well, which I thought was very that's, creative. That's, that's correct. So that, 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 that adds the, the flexibility. It gives um, you some flexibility in your grip. And interestingly, I also found it easier on the assembly process. I found it easier to, to run the cords through when I could kind of bend the pins up to get access to the yeah. hole. So it actually ends up making it easier. So uh, just again, just so many little details that that uh, I think were, were so smart. And it, it just, to me, it became very clear that this is not something that somebody just threw together. I mean, you can tell that there's years of work that went into this, it really shows. It was, yeah, it was close to three three years work. And, yeah. you know, 
even just mentioning, you know, the, the ability to feed the tendon through these holes, you know, they did start off quite small and it was, that was the struggle was to, you know, to feed the tendon through. And then I'd have to use um, like a screwdriver to try and push the, you know, so, okay, increase the size of the hole. So it was very, very um, small incremental improvements over that time to, to get over those yeah. struggles. You know, yeah. as, as we had, you know, new volunteers coming in and assembling the hands and just looking at and, and getting the feedback on what they struggled with um, to determine the, the steps for putting the, the hands together as well. Um, you know, we, we have um, putting this, um, this soft palm um, cover on, on very early in the process um, where initially we were, we were putting this on last. Um, but then, you know, if you, if, you, if you make a mistake and you over tighten one of these screws and you start to strip that, um, you know, the material in the palm, then you've done all of that other work and you basically have to pull it all apart. And yeah. Um, right. So it's better to make that mistake early. And if you fail, then just it's much it. You haven't done all of right. that, um, that assembly work already. So it's had all of those sorts of things um, planned into, you know, the order of which things were done. And, um, and look, if anyone has feedback or any better ideas and, or, or, or easier um, and more robust ways to do things, we'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, the only other thing I'll point out is uh, uh, because of the way you design this, it means that you don't need a lot of, of hard to find assembly materials. Uh, the components that you need for this are pretty basic, right? I mean, you need some screws, uh, uh, yeah. which are, you know, readily available sizes. Uh, you need some non-flexible cords. We use, we usually use a, a fishing line. I think that's what you use too, right? An 80, I think. Yeah, we so we, we don't use nylon. We, we use a, a fishing braid, nylon uh, yep. stretches. Yep. So we um, a fishing braid and the brand that we use is quite expensive it's 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 only available in europe so we we import it in 2000 meter spools yep <laughs> that looks like about what we get to um berkeley berkeley black velvet and this is what open bionics are using okay uh, it's a fantastic braid it's a little bit expensive but you don't use much of it um, right but yeah uh, any fishing braid is 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 the, that doesn't stretch is, is going to be good. But this, I love it because it's, it's 0.3 diameter and it's 100 pounds strength. Oh <laughs> so yeah, it's strong stuff. Awesome, right? Strong stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's- pound, it'd, be, um, it'd be at least 0.5 diameter. So, so, there's, so there's not a lot that you need. You need a couple of Velcro straps. You need those cords, um, some screws. And that's, that's really about all there is to it. So it shouldn't be hard for people to find these materials. Um, we do plan to offer assembly materials kits for this design uh, through 3D Universe. We do have a couple of other kits available for other designs, um, but we, we, we would like to support this design as well. So expect to see a kit coming soon that has the materials that you need. Um, though if, if, if you're in another area where it's hard to get those from us, you shouldn't have any problem finding these materials. Um, so I, I, I think, um, uh, it, I want to share a comment here that we have from the audience. Uh, Renee says, uh, my students and I attempted sizing and printing what I believe was the original kinetic hand design uh, three years ago for a gentleman in our community who wanted a realistic hand. I'm excited to share this webinar and the improved model and documentation with them. I'm hoping we can try again with more success. Thank you. So um, I, that, was, uh, that was Steve's uh, flexi hand they might have been talking about, maybe the flexi hand. Maybe, yeah. Um, do you, yeah. Renee, I, I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with uh, the original prototype that we we used to get to this final, well, current result. 
um, we didn't release that open source. So perhaps that was the um, the flexi. Um, the flexi hand. Okay. So Renee, I don't know if you want to type an update there. Maybe you were dealing with the flexi hand um, or the flexi hand two, most likely. But um, yeah, this is I can tell you from my experience that this is uh, this documentation is is going to give you a really good experience. If you haven't tried out the current version of the kinetic hand, absolutely give it a go. I think you'll have great luck with it. Yeah. So as, as mentioned, we'd love to with you know we'd love any feedback or, or questions. I'm always happy to to yeah. um, send an email at um, info at free3dhands.org. I'm not sure if you can. Uh, share that when you post this with the group. Yep. Excellent. We will. Yeah, we'll be putting up a blog post kind of summarizing this session and we'll include all of these relevant links and, and email addresses and everything people need. Uh, let's see, I have I have one come one person in the chat was saying that the QA panel isn't working for them. Now I'm not sure what that, that would I think be John that popped up before John said that the QA Yeah, panel. but but I do have other people using the QA panel. Hey, so yeah, hi, John. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe give it a try again, or if you want to just type any questions into the chat, that would be fine, too. We'll try to keep an eye on both places there. Um, but uh, meanwhile, I, I think that's the only question we had in the queue, so we can move on for now. I'll keep an eye on the chat. Yeah. But I, I definitely do recommend, um, if you are able to uh, do the silicon molding for the grips, that's another thing um, I think that... I'm not sure if we're the, the first to, to include it in the design, but we- it, Yeah, uh, it's in the documentation, yep. Yeah, it's in the documentation um, to, to, to use a two-part um, skin-safe silicon uh, to make the, the finger grips. You know, yeah. that was the thing I think we struggled with in the past was um, depending on the hand size with the, um, the Lee Tippy micro gel, I think they are, even the size zero, um, getting them to fit, you know, the smaller hands was always a struggle. Um, so we've- got a, a 3D printable scalable mold um, yeah. that we're able to, uh, you know, to make uh, customized grips. Yeah, I really like that. And and it's one less thing to try to print with the flexible material. If you can just do the molding, that's a lot easier. Yeah. And then they're, they're, they're much grippier as well, yeah. if you're able to mold exactly. them. Um, yeah, it's silicon is, is fantastic. And usually we will, um, we will, for each hand that we Right, we will actually make two molds. Uh, we'll make two sets of grips. We'll fit one to the hand and send a spare um, with them. So if they, um, you know, if they wear out, they can put the others in and then let us know. Make send us another set of grips. So there's no downtime in in replacing those. Got it. We 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 we're, we managed to um, get. There's a company up in Brisbane called iOrthotics that um, using their HP MultiJet Fusion. Um, nylon SLS printers to make our hand as well. Uh -huh. But we find that, um, that that technology doesn't suit this design. Um, this was designed for FDM. Um, it was almost impossible to clean out the, um, the white unfused powder from right. the, the tiles. Yeah. Almost had to out with a flexible drill. We just couldn't, we couldn't do it. But exactly. uh, this technology um, with some of our future designs, um, when we make our low-cost uh, multifunction bionic arm as well for transradial uh, cases. Very nice, very nice. And yes, Renee pointed out in chat that yes, she thinks that might have been the flexi hand. So yeah, right. definitely give them the kinetic hand a try, Renee. I think you'll be quite pleased. Yeah. So he's a very clever man, um, Steve. Steve Wood um, had the opportunity to to meet him over in uh, the UK at yeah. Bionics. Yeah, yeah, we had him at one of our conferences. He was great. To yeah, meet. lovely, lovely guy. 
And there was a lot of things I learned from his design um, with the hinges as well, because he was, I think, the first with flexible hinges. Um, yeah. And we adapted um, that thinking to, to have a split hinge, which you fit from one side and then force feed it from the other side so that it can't slide out laterally. As you can see, um, you don't even need to glue them in. They just, yep. um, yeah, just due to the nature of the, the hinge yeah, design. Really smart. So when we, okay. um, when we first, the first uh, 3D printed hand um, was, uh, had a lot to uh, be improved upon when we uh, decided to put it out there in the world. And, um, you know, Ivan was a puppeteer and a paper salesman and uh, Richard was a carpenter and, uh, that we we all collectively decided to throw it out there open source um, so that some engineer maybe named Matt from Australia might find it and improve it um, along with a whole uh, maker community. So um, it's been really cool to watch uh, over the last, you know, nine years from the time I started, um, where it's come to and how much you have improved even just in the last three years of the design. Um, do you have um, plans for the kinetic hand and, and how you might want to improve that even more and how maybe the community can collaborate with you? I've already had a few requests from the community. One's to make um, a terminal device version um, with a bolt um, to attach it to existing uh, sockets, uh, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Or um, and also, we're, we're currently working on an elbow-powered um, design as well. Um, we've made we made one of um, Team Unlimited's um, design uh, forearm, mm -hmm. but. You know, to, to, uh, my challenge now is to try and make something that um, is a little bit more rigid. Um, yeah, that's that's the one of the that's one of the struggles with three D printing is making large parts to be strong and rigid. Um, so, you know, but without excluding people with small print beds is the other thing. We have we have large we have a four hundred by four hundred um, bed that you can use the hypotenuse to print almost you know five hundred millimeter. Um, parts, but you know, but you know, for those people who have 150 or 200 mil beds, you know, the challenge for us now is how do we design something that is truly going to, um, you know, be of of use for people to be able to download and make themselves um, in, in modular parts without sacrificing strength. Um, so elbow powered uh, device, um, and and the challenge for us is how do we get all of those tendons through the center of the hand? to allow us to be able to rotate it um, without infect, affecting how that's going to um, affect the, the, the tendons. When you, you can imagine if you were rotating a wrist, um, the tendons would be pulled if they're on the outside and it would, it would close the hand. So we wanna have a, a, a wrist that we can rotate freely um, into whatever position the, the user likes to perform different functions with an elbow power device, as well as to, um, to, to develop a low, a low cost, um, uh, yeah, myo, well, not myoelectric um, device, but um, a, a sense to have um, sensors on the arm to, 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 to sense a muscle movement and with um, contraction of muscle um, to, to power 
devices like we made with our bionic chopsticks. Um, my wife's Japanese, by the way. <laughs> so and, yeah, I um, wanted to, I wanted to talk about this. this. My Japanese friend with cerebral palsy. Um, so he's able to grip, but he has no control over his hand. But he's got a lot of different control with his muscles in his arms. So we've developed him um, some bionic chopsticks, which were about ten dollars in parts, um, with the, including the sensor. But uh, I want to so, talk about that the sensor that you're using there because that's really unique. And when when I know that doesn't play into the kinetic hand, but uh, since you're working on some power designs, we, we had talked about this a little bit previously, and I was really impressed by what you're doing there because you're using it. This is not, you know, what a lot of people are using is playing around with EMG sensors, which try to actually yep. sense the muscles, and they, they can be very uh, tricky to work with. You get very erratic kind of results. You're using a totally different approach there. Tell us a little bit about how that senses your muscles. So this here, if we can focus, is a reflectance sensor. So it's often used in line following robots. Um, so it has an, um, an infrared uh, emitter and a receiver. And if you, it, it's really great at measuring distances between about two and three millimeters extremely accurately and converting that into a voltage from zero to five volts. And they're about a dollar each, right? They're stupidly cheap, these things. Okay. And so I actually learned this from um, a group EXI, um, Mission Arm, Japan, uh, when I was um, visiting, they, they actually using it in their um, handy um, bionic arm. And um, that for me was the greatest learning on my trip um, around the world was um, this, this particular sensor. And, and what it, what it, so when you, when you squeeze your arm or any, any muscle group, um, the, the overall diameter increases. So if you have a band around your arm, um, it's actually, you, if you have a sensor with a, a soft piece of foam with a, a reflector plate, you know, and you squeeze that ever so slightly, um, you're able to, um, to output a, put a very, very clean analog output signal to a microcontroller. So even if you had a sensor on your arm up here, um, just by wiggling your fingers slightly here, you'll, you'll get a very clean signal. Um, and, and what we're working on um, with that is to get multiple um, sensors on different muscle groups to look at the timing of different muscles to create a multifunction um, uh, for a very, very low cost. Well, that's, so that's exciting because just like you said, it's low cost, but it's effective. That's something that we really haven't seen before in the space of powered uh, or bionic uh, assistive device. And, and also, um, you know, one of the things that excites me as well is, you know, medical devices are often... Um, classified as something that has direct contact with skin. So I'm really keen to, de to develop um, a sensor that can be worn over clothes, right? So there's no contact with skin whatsoever. Um, if I, um, I've actually programmed Mario Brothers sounds into this. <laughs> there's a, you'll hear a one up once it's calibrated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and you can see, you know, that I'm wearing it over my, over my, um, my clothes, you know, and I'm still able to. That's terrific. Right. And, and that's literally $10 in parts. And, and that's how we plan to, um, to control our, our low cost bionic arm as well with pattern recognition. But, um, you know, and, and, and with, with the, um, the myo sensors, you also, it's very, very critical where you put those on, yeah. onto the, the, um, onto the arm, but yes. you know, we've written a, a program for, um, to calibrate 
Um, so regardless of where you put on every single time, it can be different, but you're basically um, calibrating over four seconds. So when I push this button and you hear the Mario um, kicking a, a turtle shell, it's actually listening now for four seconds to max min, max min, and then recalibrating that to oh. the um, maximum servo. Brilliant, brilliant. All right, so then I have to ask now, what is, what, do you have any kind of a timing expectation for this bionic hand? When can we expect to get our hands on that? Oh, look, uh, well, I, my biggest struggle has been uh, actually sitting and, and designing and developing. I've had been supported from, from many directions by a lot of people. Sure. Uh, well, that's so six months um, is going to be very interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. Got helping to get rid of the noise now. Um, so, yeah. So for people that want to learn more, because we're unfortunately just about out of time, there's so much more here I could yeah. ask you about, Matt, but um, obviously, uh, one way I want to remind people of is the Enable Hub. Um, hopefully, people listening in are already on that platform. Uh, otherwise, we'll include the link in our blog right up. It's hub.enable.org with a dash in enable. So hub.e-nable.org. Um, I was glad to see that Matt has joined us on the Hub. So that's one way that you can interact with Matt, ask questions, you can post things there. Um, and uh, we have, in the Hub, we have our Enable devices catalog, the kinetic hand is in there, along with links to all the files, documentation, everything that you need, uh, as well as uh, badges. We've added into our digital badge platform, we've added in badges for those who make the kinetic hand. So you can now earn a digital badge for the assembly and fabrication of the kinetic hand. So the hub is one place that you can kind of engage and try out the kinetic hand and learn more and ask questions. Uh, Matt, how else can they uh, reach you if they want to learn more or, or interact with you? Well, for those who are still on Facebook, um, we have a, a, a Facebook page where we're, we're always updating what we're working on, um, you know, some of the store, recipient stories and, and ideas. We, we share freely on that, um, which is um, at 3, 3D Hands on Facebook, F-R-E-E, the number 3D, H-A-N-D-S. Um, if, yeah, you can follow us on that and on Insta as well. Um, but yeah, um, face, our Facebook page is most regularly updated. But um, as Jeremy mentioned, I'll be um, I'll be checking the the, the Enable Hub uh, quite regularly as well. If you've got any awesome. questions, yeah. And I, you know, this is something that I I have to point out because John brought this up in the chat. Um, you mentioned that some people had already asked about a terminal device version of the Kinetic Hand, and I just want to echo that. Um, as John was pointing out, I don't know if you're familiar with the NIOP system, N-I-O-P, uh, which has yep. been developed by Nate Monroe and others. It's a, it's a tremendous system that offers some great new options, including a, a shoulder-driven uh, uh, arm device. Um, but I think it would benefit greatly from having the Kinetic Hand as a terminal device option, because uh, currently it's, it's incorporating a version of the Kuawu Hand, which just doesn't have nearly as good of a gripping uh, performance as the Kinetic Hand offers. So I just want to second that. Uh, it would be wonderful to see a, a terminal version of the kinetic hand that we can incorporate into that NIOP uh, system as well as other uh, future uh, devices. Absolutely, and, and yeah, um, collaboration is key. Absolutely. So, uh, Absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm really excited, um, you know, if, if people are able to, to share ideas and, and ideas for improvement and, you know, that's what it's all about, right? It's about, yeah making ourselves redundant. And as Jen mentioned earlier, um, you know, it started off with something quite simple, but, um, you know, and, and people over time will improve and improve and improve that. And that's, that's what we want. We want, you know, ultimately we're all working towards helping others um, 
and and you know after we're you know we're we're long gone uh, for that to continue continue on and yeah. uh, and I say to, to Jen, you know, uh, mentioning, um, yes, it was a, a the, the first device was a simple one, but I think to, to release something open source that you are not yourself entirely happy with, I think it takes a lot of courage. Um, but that's what really starts the fire, isn't it? You know, to start right. the ideas, to start that brainstorming. And, um, and you know, um, I, I do encourage people to, you know, even if it's only half an idea to share that with others. Um, because you know, when you put your minds together, um, that's when you come up with incredible, incredible ideas and, and new ways to do things. Absolutely. Um, I think we covered this, but we did get a question in through Q and A. Uh, uh, Ty is asking what sensor is being used for the sensing. He has a friend with SMA with very limited motion. Uh, are there any other details you can give about the actual sensor component that you're using there? <laughs> this is one I prepared earlier because I thought I'd be asked that question. So this is um, if you Google. QTR-1A reflectance sensor. Um, this one's actually made by Polulu, Pololu. Um, but yeah, you can get, the, you know, this is just a very common part. Um, there are Q, I think there was a QRE triple one or something, but this is, if you type in um, QTR-1A reflectance sensor, um, there are digital and analog versions. We use um, an analog, version of the sensor. And we, we go in through um, just the A0, the analog inputs in our, um, our, our uh, Arduino microcontrollers. And this here too is, is this is a, um, you know, a very, very low cost Arduino Nano, um, two, about $2. You can buy them on eBay. Um, we buy them by the truckload. You know, we use very, very low cost M, um, MG90S um, metal gear servos, which are about two or three dollars, as well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're also uh, experimenting with um, with DC motors, with um, this sort of thing. Uh huh. Are those, <laughs> uh, I can't they're, quite they're, see. Are those like linear actuators? Well, we yeah, we're creating our own linear actuators. Um, uh -huh. They're very very expensive, but. These are just $4 motors here with, um, and we've put an M4 wing nut on here as the, um, the actuator to move backwards and forwards. We've put in the, in the hand here. Um, again, trying to find parts that anyone can access anywhere in the world, um, non-specialized parts. But the beautiful thing with that is it's actually to, to maintain grip. You can see this finger here is, is maintaining grip without any power um, because it's actually pulling against the thread. Right. Screw. So you could be holding you know, a, a 10, 20 kilogram bag walking along and you're not drawing any power from the battery, right? It's, right. It, it only draws um, power when you tell it to, to move to a different position. Very so smart. that's something that's very different than um, using servos. Servos want to maintain their position. And if you fight that position, it will be drawing power um, to, to try and get back to that position. So we're looking at a few different ways to, to um, Different techniques with our, our, our bionic hand, but um, at the, the key is the key is low cost for us. We're trying to make something uh, for under fifty dollars in parts. Wow, I love it. Well, we are definitely going to have to have you, have to have you come back and talk to us about the uh, the power devices when they're ready. That's very exciting to see that coming along. But meanwhile, we'll have plenty to do getting uh, familiar with the kinetic hands and getting others in our community making those. So I think it's a great design and a great contribution to uh, the work that we're doing. So 
Thank well, you thank so you. much. It's been an honor. It's yeah. been an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this. And uh, yeah, as I said, you know, um, please feel free to, to reach out anytime to anyone who's listening. Absolutely. So for those watching and or listening, you'll find uh, the recordings of this uh, on our blog in the days to come, 3duniverse.org. And uh, we'll share some relevant links with you. And uh, so be sure to check our blog out at 3duniverse.org to to get the uh, recordings and the links to the things that we've talked about here and uh, sign up for upcoming sessions. So Matt, thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate it, especially with the uh, difference in time zones. I know it was uh, a little tricky to coordinate, but I'm glad you could make it. Well, well thank you for your time. And um, yeah, I, I, I much look forward to, to um, many more um, interactions with the group. Absolutely. Uh, said, um, thanks guys. Uh, thank you, uh, John as well. Yes, thanks, John, and thanks everyone else who attended. And uh, we will uh, see you again for the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.